This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. It's 2020, and I hope you enjoy politics because this year is going to be jam-packed. The Florida legislative session starts next week, and we have reporters here with us to help break down the issues that lawmakers will be grappling with. William March is a longtime political reporter and Tampa Bay Times correspondent. Hi, William. Hi, Robin. And Lynn Hatter is the news director at WFSU, the NPR member station in Tallahassee. Hi, Lynn. Hey, Robin. Thanks for being here, guys. Um, So, Lynn, you have been reporting on education in Florida for a long time, plus all your news director duties. It's always one of the biggest things that voters care about. So what are the big issues that are coming down the pike this year? So Governor Ron DeSantis wants a pretty hefty teacher pay raise. He wants to boost starting salaries to about $47,500. To tell you how big that is, here in the Panhandle, Gadsden County has one of the lowest starting salaries at around $33,000. So you're talking about a lot of money. Uh, In addition to that, he also wants another $300 million for a bonus program. You're talking, when all of this is said and done, about a billion-dollar boost um, into K-12. And the question that lawmakers have and where he's already starting to run into pushback is, where the heck are we going to get that billion dollars from? Something is going to have to give. And already you're seeing a little bit of blowback on that proposal. I think it's House Speaker Jose Oliva, who was very sort of lukewarm to it, Um, And then you're going to have to deal with, you know, if they pass and if they allocate this money, how does it filter down? Because teacher pay is something that is negotiated down at the individual school district level. So uh, that is probably one of the biggest priorities for session. And that is definitely going to be one that involves a lot of tug of war between the legislature, Governor DeSantis, and even the teachers union. So William, I mean, one thing that legislators must do, and really the only thing that they must do during the session is pass a budget. And this is a good money year. This is not a lean year. The economy's going along pretty well. What does the money look like this year? Lynn was mentioning more money towards education. Is that going to be a battle? Because the state does have some money. It certainly will be a battle. The state does have some money, but it also has some major needs. Uh, Education is one of them. The prison system is another. We'll probably talk about that later. Uh, And this could be one of Governor Ron DeSantis's first real conflicts with the legislature because after he's had a wonderful honeymoon for his first year in office, uh, because he has staked himself out for a sharp increase in teacher pay. Uh, And as Lynn mentioned, some some legislators, including Jose Oliva, the very powerful speaker of the state house, are not super crazy about the idea. It doesn't seem like one of the most divisive issues. Everybody likes to see money going towards education. Everybody likes to see teachers paid more. You, you hardly ever hear people shouting, no, we don't want more money for teachers. Sure, but the question is how much and how they do it. The, um, and the, the teachers union, the teachers themselves, are not crazy about, about uh, DeSantis's proposal because it's yet another bonus program. The dirty little secret here is that the Republican legislature does not want to simply appropriate enough money for the schools to pay teachers well because, as Lynn mentioned, 
salaries are actually negotiated at the district level with the teachers union and the Republican legislators hate the teachers union and don't want to do anything that would involve them with the process. They want to themselves set the amounts of money that teachers get and set the criteria for it. And that's why we end up with these endless bonus programs instead of simply teachers' raises coming well, out the, of the, the legislature. Well, the bonus program would be in addition to the raises, right, Len? Well, yes. But keep in mind, again, to what William said, they want it to go to 47 5. How do you get there? When the legislature created the best and brightest program, um, that by all accounts was a failure and they did it so that they could circumvent the teachers unions. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do you get to that level? And keep in mind, that's only for starting teachers. What about those who have been teaching for 5, 10, 15, 20 years? This is a real point of contention. How do you do it while trying to go around the unions when, you know, the le the the law, the Constitution gives that negotiating power to the local unions? So you have a real issue here, both with how how the legislature will do it, whether or not they're going to try and put this bonus component in, which is what Governor DeSantis wants. And even when they put some of this money into K-12, there's still a lot of trickle down going on here. So it's complicated. It's not just as simple as saying we're going to do this and get it done. I just wanted to point out best. We mentioned the best and brightest program, and that's the existing. That's the yeah, that's the existing bonus program that's just gotten a lot of of opposition. So well, yes. so Lynn mentioned the problem that this that this um, pay program, the salary increase, would affect only starting teachers, and then you'd have teachers with five or more years' experience who are suddenly making the same amount as people just hired fresh out of school. But, Lynn, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there another problem that there are some counties, including, I think, Miami-Dade, where the starting pay is already higher than the floor yes. that DeSantis wants to set? Yes, there are. And so the question becomes, well... What happens in places like Miami-Dade, places like I think Broward is another high pay uh, county where you're already at or above that level. There's, you know, no answer to that right now. And so I think that some of the concerns that some of the lawmakers have raised about how they go about doing this are legitimate. Um, and it was interesting to me, the Senate has already voted to start moving forward to repeal best and brightest. And they, too, raised some of these concerns while admitting that the bonus program did not work out exactly as they thought it would. It's a very big goal. It's one of those, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals that's been laid out. But the question is, how do we get there? And you're going to kind of concede you're going to see that as we get closer and closer toward the end of session and into budget talks. That's going to get really complicated and really, really weedy. So I haven't really heard anything new about charter schools uh, this year. Uh, William, anything? Is the battle for that pretty much over? I don't know that it's over, Robin, but what happened was last year, in last year's session, the legislature passed a major piece of legislation that made a fundamental change in allowing state funding to go to private schools. Uh, and it's also passed a lot of, favor of legislation recently favorable to charter schools. What they did last year was, for the first time, they allowed state tax revenue to go directly to, to private schools through the, the voucher program 
in the past, what's been happening is corporate taxpayers were allowed to divert their tax money into contributions to agencies that provided vouchers for private schools. Now, for the first time, uh, money that's already been paid to the state in taxes can go from the Treasury into those programs. And this is, of course, a major change, and it raises a constitutional issue, and it's being litigated. There's a lawsuit against it. So I don't think you'll see anything coming up in this year's legislative session that will be as major as what passed and is now being litigated uh, in last year's session. So moving on, you mentioned the um, prison system, William. And one of our local legislators, State Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Petersburg, has really been pushing hard for reforms to the state's criminal justice system. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, what's happened is that the Secretary of the Department of Corrections, Mark Inch, recently made a report to the legislature to the effect that the state's prison system essentially is in crisis because of low pay, staff turnover, the kind of budgetary problems that have resulted in thousands and thousands of of brand new and experienced guards on duty, uh, staying, being forced to work 12-hour shifts, mandatory overtime, And basically, Inch's warning was that the problems have gotten so bad that he fears they could easily lead to major violence within the Florida prisons. He he even has asked all of his the high-level staff of the prison system to read a book about a deadly riot in 1980 in New Mexico and how that riot occurred, fearing that something similar could happen here. The, and in addition to that, there have been several, three or four incidents over the last year in which violence by prison staff members, prison guards against inmates, resulted in major scandals, including one incident in an Ocala prison that left a woman inmate paralyzed from the neck down for life after a beating by several guards. This is going to be a critical issue for the legislature to face, and it's going to require, to solve it, it's just going to require money. So Jeff Brandis specifically, I know, has been looking at reform packages to reduce the sentences of young adults and juvenile offenders. Lynn, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so a lot of the proposals are dealing with issues like gain time, which is, you know, getting time off for good behavior and mandatory minimum reform. We've been talking about these things for years. Last year, Brandis had a really ambitious plan that if the legislature had approved it, I believe that state economists had estimated it could save more than $800 million over 10 years. You're talking about Florida, which is a state that has the third highest prison population with some of the lowest paid employees to sort of guard that population. Our prisons are crumbling. You saw a lot of damage due to many of them during the last few hurricanes. So this is a serious issue. And Brandis has really been pushing to reduce the state's prison population. You know, it's going to take a lot of money to be put into the system to bring a lot of these facilities up to code and up to par. But Florida does not want to build any more prisons. So what do you do? You either invest the money or you reduce the population that you have to guard. Either way, something has to give. And I think that the book that um, Secretary Inch has been circulating, it's called um, The Devil's Butcher Shop. 
And he's been very passionate about that. He's been talking to anybody, you know, who will give him a microphone to say, we have to do something. And this is coming off about a decade long push to sort of cut the corrections budget, cut, 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 cut. Mm-hmm. And and now it's sort of at a, at a very um, critical stage. So now it's time to cut sentencing, I guess, this mandatory sentencing, which has become controversial. That's something that lawmakers want to change and also reducing sentences for for the younger offenders and maybe for uh, less serious drug offenses, things like that. I Mm -hmm. I personally think it's interesting to note, Robin, that that these kinds of proposals, um, eliminating mandatory minimums in many cases and allowing gain time in many cases, basically all they're doing is undoing the the anti-the-get-tough-on-crime steps that were taken in the 1990s. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham, and today we're talking about the upcoming state legislative session. My guests are William March, a longtime political reporter and Tampa Bay Times correspondent, and Lynn Hatter, the news director at WFSU, which is the NPR member station in Tallahassee. And Lynn, you know, let me know, where do you think the really interesting debate is going to be this session? What committee hearings are you going to make sure that you're going to be sitting in on? I am going to be paying a lot of attention to education. I think, number one, education makes up the majority of our general revenue spending, and it's the second largest piece of overall state state spending. It's impossible to ignore, and with as many asks as have been proposed, every single committee is, is going to be very much one to watch as the legislature tries to grapple with how to fulfill Governor DeSantis's goals. Another issue I'm going to be watching is how this issue of E-Verify plays out. You know, we haven't really talked about that yet, um, but for those who don't know what it is, it's a federal system that states can use to see whether or not certain people are qualified to work in the United States, and it is full of holes, and it has been controversial. And, you know, Governor DeSantis wants Florida um, Florida businesses to use this, but he's going to get a lot of pushback, especially from the agricultural community. He's also already getting pushback from the Senate over this particular issue. And so, you know, whether or not he gets that, it has been tried and failed before. That is going to be an issue to watch. Did yeah, you want to I think that? I just wanted to, to underline what Lynn just said. This is one more, this is another example of an area where Ron DeSantis's honeymoon in office could hit some bumps. He's well staked out in favor of E-Verify, but it has proposals to enforce it have failed on more than one recent in more than one recent session of the legislature over the last few years because of opposition from agricultural interests and others many of whom employ large numbers of illegal immigrants and don't want to be forced to verify people's citizenship status when they're hired and a lot of these interests agriculture and tourism are very politically powerful also high on the agenda, as always, are these divisive cultural issues um, concerning abortion and guns, gun rights and gun control. There is an abortion bill that's set to be heard by the full house. It's already ready to, for the full house that requires parental consent for a minor 
to obtain an abortion. Lynn, what do you think is going to happen with that? Um, I think that it is actually going to pass. The fact that it's been teed up early kind of signals the legislature wants to get this done and out of the way. Um, you really don't want to get mired down in something like this. You don't want it to drag out. It sort of sucks the oxygen out of the room. But I think that you have seen the House um, has obviously ready for it. The Senate um, is close to teeing it up, and Go- Governor Ron DeSantis agrees with it. So, you know, the legislature has been sort of trying this for years, but I think now is the time where it will actually pass. But that's, you know, once it passes the legislature, groups are already ready to sue. We've we've seen this sort of time and time again. What I think is really interesting about this year's sort of culture wars fights um, is that advocates for some of these bills are really pushing the idea of parental rights. Um, and that's something that I think is a new um, emergent conversation. They're framing a lot of these around, I am the parent, I am the guardian of this child, it's my duty to protect the this child, and you, the legislature, the things that you pass sort of infringe on that. And, and that's sort of now emerging in a lot of these culture war conversations when parents are really stepping up and saying, these are my kids, I should have a say over what they do. And that has been something that we've seen so far during committee weeks with a lot of these issues. So I think that with respect to the abortion and requiring parental consent um, in most cases, not all cases, but most cases, it's going to go through, it's going to go quickly because the legislature doesn't want to get mired down in it. And that's not the only abortion restriction. No, it's not. There is a heartbeat bill has also been filed, which prohibits abortion when you can detect fetal heartbeat. That bill has not moved in previous sessions. My guess is it won't this year because the Republicans who control the legislature don't want to push the argument that far. My guess is they don't want to enact what would amount to an almost complete abortion ban. Right. Um, But uh, it has been introduced. And as Lynn noted, the parental consent bill is much more likely to pass. Uh, It's worth noting Florida now has a law regarding parental notification. This would move it forward to parental consent. Uh, and well, as, how did that? I'm just curious I, about that. So notification, did a parent have to just sign off saying, yes, I know if, uh, about it? How did you how would someone prove notification as opposed to consent? Well, the medical authorities involved, if I'm right, would be requ- have been required to notify parents when they I see. Went, when and, they perform the procedure, and now they actually minor. have to get an active consent. From yes, the this parent, this would if require this passes. right if this passes. Mm-hmm. And as as Lynn said, this will probably repeat the pattern that we've seen over the past several years of the legislature passing abortion restrictions that are popular with the conservative, culturally conservative base, and then litigation being filed to overturn them. Right, and so the interesting thing is the state Supreme Court has overturned these bills in the past, but isn't that the makeup of the Supreme Court is a little different now? It has changed drastically uh, because of appointments by Ron DeSantis, who um, has already made three appointments to the court, changing the majority to to a majority of justices appointed uh, by Republicans. So that could have some this year bearing could, this on year, this abortion bill. That's right. This year could be different in terms of how the Supreme Court reacts. Now, the gun bills, they seem to run the gamut. There, there are bills 
uh, making gun control more restrictive. And then there are other bills that would repeal the restrictions that were passed uh, after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school shooting. What what seems to have a good chance of, of making it this year, Lynn? Ooh, that's a toughie. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that with respect to the gun bills, because so much of this is tied up into school safety, any proposal that targets guns and schools is definitely going to be one to watch. Um, the Marjorie's, I do not believe that you're going to see the legislature walk back some of its provisions that were put in place by Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. I think that that is a no-go. Um, I know um, that uh, Anthony Sabatini has actually filed some of those repeal bills, um, but I don't think that they are going to get anywhere. If there's anything, if there's anything that the legislature um, has sort of put its foot down about, it is that the laws and rules put in place after Stoneman Douglas are absolute. So it's I, probably, I don't think you're going to see any sort of repeal. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's probably important to point out at this point that about 95% of the bills that are filed by the legislators don't even, never reach the governor. So mm-hmm. it is really a small fraction of bills that end up going anywhere. Well, actually only a small fraction ever actually get voted on, even even, even in committee, right. much less on the floor of, a, of, a, of one of the houses of the legislature itself. Well, but I, I will say one proposal that I think um, will definitely be one to watch is whether or not the state will move ahead with some sort of expansion of the red flag laws. Um, those have been working. Law enforcement has been using those. You know, those those are the laws that enable law enforcement to petition the court to remove firearms from people who are deemed threats. Um, now, there are proposals to expand that to allow family members and some other people to sort of raise similar alarms. The legislature may consider that. There's also the task force that Senate President Bill Galvano created. He charged Senator Tom Lee to sort of look into how do we strengthen um, some of these provisions. And so that group has not come out with recommendations yet. It it might roll out something later on um, as session gets going, but that's going to be something that uh, people should be paying attention to. Yeah, that task force, it seems like they would have some bearing on this session. Right, and it's unclear what they'll propose. Most likely they'll propose things in the area of mental health funding, uh, behavioral threat assessments, something like that. Um, I think uh, we could also note that campus carry is likely to be a big issue again this year. Uh, And that is... The right of the uh, right of people students who, on universities. Well, anyone who has a concealed carry permit, which which part of that is you have to be twenty one, so not all students, but but those twenty one and older who have concealed carry permits would be allowed to carry weapons on campus, uh, and the university presidents in general are strongly opposed to this, particularly John Thrasher at mm-hmm. uh, Florida State. So the state tourism agency's life is hanging in the balance. That is Visit Florida. Will there be another extension for the funding for Visit Florida? Lynn, what do you think? Well, that's definitely what the Senate wants. Uh, The Senate is firmly in Visit Florida's uh, corner, but that is not what the House wants. House Speaker Jose Oliva would be perfectly happy if Visit Florida died in a fiery 
dad. <laughs> he is very much opposed to this agency. And, you know, Oliva's perspective is Florida can pretty much market itself. We don't need a, a tourism agency to market us when we have Orlando and Disney and Miami that do a perfectly good job marketing themselves. It was tourism just that is- million dollar paycheck to Pitbull that just put everybody over the edge. That's wasn't right. It? It, 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 it did. It did. It did. And it really soured Visit Florida in the eyes of a lot of uh, people. But the flip side of this is that Visit Florida is not just marketing Miami and Orlando. You know, it's marketing places like Crestview. It's marketing places in the Panhandle, places that, you know, people would not think to go. It does a lot of work with a lot of local tourism Um, departments in the ground. It did a lot of work after the hurricanes to say, hey, Florida is still open. And so there's really this kind of tug of war. It has a new leader in former Senator Dana Young, who was tasked with sort of leading this. And it's it's shrunk. It's gotten a lot smaller um, after the legislature cut its funding by a lot last year. And, you know, Young's argument is that the agency is leaner, it's meaner, it has learned its lesson, no more pit bull contracts. But is that going to be enough to save it? And that's going to come down to really um, Senate President Galvano, House Speaker Jose Oliva, and again, Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, is okay with Visit Florida. So the question is, who is going to win this battle? I will tell you that this is going to be one of those things that is negotiated at the last minute, as it usually is, during final budget negotiations. So what happens to that agency um, is something that's going to be decided very late in session. But the people who work at Visit Florida are hoping that they will get some sort of extension. Another bill that I'm interested in now, I'm a non-smoker, and I know lots of us have probably gone to the beach, and we put down our towel, (laughs) and we're there to breathe in the nice sea air, and we start breathing in the cigarette from the person in the next towel over, and it's gross. Um, But Senator Joe Gruters is pushing a bill that would ban smoking on the beaches and in the state parks. I'm wondering if that's going to go anywhere. I have a feeling he's going to get some pushback. It, it goes against what, whatever might remain of the libertarian aspects of Republican political philosophy. Um, it, it, would be, it would be popular with a lot of people because of what you just talked about, also because of the litter aspects. The butts. Yeah. You want to you put your, your beach towel down and, and you, you see cigarette butts where you want to mm-hmm. put it down. Um, but it's outside. It seem, does seem kind of well, far-fetched. Well, it's outside, that... and you tend to have a nice breeze on a beach, and a lot of people are going to say there's you know, a gale-force wind blowing out here, and this person five feet or five, ten yards upwind claims he can smell my cigarette. Okay, when... I think, William, you and I would probably be out there arguing about it. I see that. Well, I some people, <laughs> what I'm saying is some people mm-hmm. will argue about it. Yeah. So I have a feeling Gruters is going to get some pushback, though there will be a lot of of support for it. I'm wondering about here in the state of Florida, Lynn, I mean, can you give us a sense of the political temperature right now in Tallahassee? I don't think that the divisions are as strong in Tallahassee as they are nationally. I do believe that there are still some places where lawmakers will agree. But I also think it's important to note that so many of the pieces of legislation passed by the Florida legislature are bipartisan in nature. 
That is Lynn Hatter, News Director at WFSU, and we're also here with William March, longtime political reporter. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Enjoying it, yes. There are lots of ways to connect with us. You can tweet us at Florida Matters. Find us on the WUSF Facebook page. And remember, you can listen to Florida Matters whenever you want as a podcast. You can search for it and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. The engineer is Craig George. The show is produced by Christy O'Shauna. I'm Robin Sussingham. Thanks for listening.